really glad you've taken the time to listen to the podcast. I hope you enjoy this message on Christ greater, me less. If you like it, please leave a comment in the comment section. God bless you and have a great day. One of the most difficult sins and attitudes to fight against for the Christian is the sin of pride and selfishness. The reason is because everyone wants to be liked. There's not anybody here that doesn't want to be liked. And for, to have people say nice things about them. Everyone here wants to feel like their life is a success. And that they have accomplished something. So it's only natural for us to think this way. But it is a sin that we have to fight against. And that is of pride. Here, because here is the danger in that. Carried too far, we begin to put the focus on ourselves and what we have accomplished and what we can do. And we begin to leave Christ in the background of our lives. He becomes more of an afterthought and a backdrop and we become more of the focus and attention. And instead of Christ becoming greater and greater and us, you and I, becoming less and less, the unexpected and tragic results happen. And that is that we become greater and greater and Christ becomes less and less in our lives. And that happens not only to our own thinking and to our own mind and thought process, but once that happens to us and once we start thinking that we are something that we're not, then we try to make it happen in the thoughts and the minds of other people as well. If there is a conflict as to who the attention should be drawn to, whether Christ or me, Christ must always win out. Every time. Not 99.9% of the time, but 100% of the time, if there's ever a conflict as to who is going to get the attention, is it Christ or is it Keith? It has to be Christ. And it is something that all of us have to fight against because all of us have this natural inclination that we want to be recognized. John the Baptist even had that, although he overcame it. His disciples certainly had it, and we'll look at that in just a minute. But John said, no, he, talking about Christ, must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Christ must always increase. You and I must always decrease. Jesus said this about our friend John the Baptist. He said, I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, get this, put your mind around this. Jesus said, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Now, what if Jesus had said that about you? you know, heads exploding, chest popping out, buttons popping off. But Jesus didn't finish there. And this, if you want to look it up, it's in Matthew eleven eleven, where I'm reading from. I tell you the truth, of all who've ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. These are Jesus' words. Yet, 
even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. That's you and I, folks. So we've got to be careful. When Jesus says this of someone, as he did of John the Baptist, Baptist, we can be fairly certain that John was a significant figure in the story of the Bible. Jesus didn't say, I tell you the truth, that of all who've ever lived since I've been alive, there's none greater than John the Baptist. He didn't say, uh, I tell you the truth, that all who have ever lived since uh, the prophet, or since King David, John's the greatest. He said, I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. That's pretty significant. Giving that statement by Christ, I think it's important for us to understand who John the Baptist is and give a little background. John the Baptist was somewhat of a recluse, okay? Uh, Jesus also said this of John in, in Matthew eleven eighteen. He said, he, John the Baptist, came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. Now, this phrase, eating or drinking, really stood for socializing. And uh, in other words, uh, Jesus was saying that John the Baptist isn't a real party goer. Okay? He's not out there going around from house to house and, and having a big party and drinking and socializing and eating and having all these good times. Uh, and to other people, John's lifestyle appeared almost demonic because Jesus said, they say, talking about the people of his day, that he has a demon. Uh, he, they thought he was like those who were possessed of evil spirits that frequented, frequented the desolate areas of Gadara as the demoniac that, that Jesus encountered in Mark 5, verses 2 and 3. But here's something that we know about John the Baptist is he did not seek out the multitudes, but rather somehow he attracted them. And there is a difference between seeking out fame and fame finding you. Seeking out the people and people finding you. People were drawn to John. It wasn't that he wanted the attention of the crowds. It was just a natural response to the message that John had. And that was that of uh, preparing the way for the Lord, that of repentance, that of baptism. And we'll talk a little bit about that. The people of Jerusalem and all Judea went out to him as he moved about the Jordan Valley. And uh, the term went out suggests that a stream of people were gravitating to John the Baptist. He had this, uh, his, his influence was phenomenal. Hundreds, if not thousands of people came to him as he baptized them. And his success was solely in the message that he proclaimed to the people. The multitude said that he performed no signs. In other words, uh, they, re they, they regarded his message concerning Christ as true. But, but from the passage in John chapter 10, verse 41, where it says that, that he performed no sign, it appears to indicate that John didn't perform great miracles as Jesus and the apostles did. So the crowds came to John the Baptist, even though he wasn't out there laying hands on people, they were slain in the spirit, healings and de demons cast out and all these other things going on, just miraculous stuff, because it says that he performed no signs. 
It is certainly the case, however, that the message that he had was from God. And the people understood it to be infallibly true. And they came to him by the hundreds and thousands. The power of John's preaching, together with Israel's desire in looking for a Messiah, became a winning combination for the ministry of John. John the Baptist, not John the Beloved who wrote the gospel. If you're in my Sunday school class, you know the difference between the two. If you're not, then you need to come to my Sunday school class. All right. John's mission can be summed up by one word. He was a preparer. Preparer. It was his delight and his pleasure to prepare the people for the coming Messiah. Both Isaiah, a prophet in the Old Testament, and Malachi, a prophet in the Old Testament, had announced that he would prepare the way for the coming of Jehovah. The angel Gabriel came to John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, and told him that his son would be instrumental in turning many to the Lord, uh, going before his face and making ready a people prepared for him. It's in Luke chapter 1. Zacharias, John's own father, said himself prophesied that his son, John, would be called the prophet of the Most High who would go before the face of the Lord to make ready his ways. So we've got Jesus calling him the greatest that ever lived. We've got an angel that comes and says, this man, uh, your son is going to be instrumental in turning people to the Lord and preparing people to come to the Lord. We have his own father saying, he is going to be called the prophet of the most high. Then John the beloved who wrote the book of John, the gospel of John, he asserts this about John the Baptist. He says that John the Baptist came from God in order to bear witness of the light. Let's just first John, or not first John, but John chapter one, verses seven and eight. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John was a significant, John the Baptist was a significant character, yet he said, Christ must increase and I must decrease. Christ should be greater and I should be less. Now, I don't know if it was all these things that got his attention and he had to make a special effort to uh, humble himself. But the fact that the birth of Christianity was such a resounding success that it still impacts the world today is in some measure a, a tribute and a commentary on how well John accomplished his mission in preparing the way and preparing the people for the coming Messiah. Now, I want to share with you some of John's attitudes that I think helped out with this. The first one was he recognized who Christ was and where Christ came from. In John chapter 1, verse 27... He is, this is John the Baptist's words. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. 
he knew who Christ was. He said, he comes after me, not that John was ahead of him or anything, just in, in the fact that he was the preparer of getting people ready for sight. But John said, I cannot kneel down. I, I'm so unworthy of him that I can't kneel down and even unloosen his sandals. He knew who Christ was and where he came from. Chapter 3, verses 27 through 29 after John's disciples came to him and said, that man, talking about Jesus, over on the other side that you had over on the other side of Jordan with you, he's baptizing people and everybody's coming to him. What are you going to do about it, John? John says this. To this John replied, and this is John 3, 27, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. John could have this attitude because he knew who Christ was. And where Christ came from. He also knew who he was. John had a, a complete understanding of who he was. And what his mission and his goal was. In uh, John 1.23. Uh, John replied, to the words of, re, replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. He said, I'm just the voice. I'm not the man. I'm, I'm a friend of the man. <laughs> okay. I'm a friend of the bridegroom. I'm not the bridegroom. I'm just his friend who's getting things ready for him. He knew who he was. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, John says this. Uh, or, or Jesus saying this, he's, then Jesus came to Galilee, to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? John recognized who he was. He said, Lord, he, he said, you should be baptizing me. I can't, even, I'm not even worthy to step down and loosen the latches or the ties on your sandals. You should be baptized. John knew who he was. Also, John wasn't, didn't have a spirit of jealousy and envy. Uh, put yourself in John's shoes for just a minute. You're doing real well. You got crowds and people coming to you. You're baptizing left and right. Wherever there's water, you're baptizing. Your work's going well. People are taking notice. Everything's growing. You have hundreds, if not thousands of people coming to hear your message and to be baptized. But you know the purpose of your work is to prepare the people for Jesus. And when it comes right down to it, will you be able to turn your followers, your disciples over to Christ? That's the question that you're struggling with and that you have to answer. Can we be like John? Can you and I put our egos aside 
and the profitable things that we do aside in order to point others to Christ? Are, are we willing to lose some of our own status so that others will benefit from what we know? Are we willing to have Christ increase and you and I decrease? Can we allow Christ to become greater and greater and Keith to become less and less? Now, how can Christ increase or become greater? You know, first, I think we have to understand what it means to increase. Well, you see, we can't make Christ any greater than he already is. Jesus is the son of God. He is part of the deity. Jesus is the creator of the world. It doesn't get any greater than that. So what does it mean? He's the son of God. He's God in the flesh and nothing you and I can do will make him any greater or will change that. God himself put his stamp of approval on Christ. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So we can't trump God. So how do we do that? How do we make Christ greater? Well, what you can do is you can elevate who he is in your life and and what position he has in your life. It's a matter of perspective. You see, as Christ becomes greater and greater in your life, as he becomes more significant in your life, as he becomes more invaluable, where that you cannot do without him, you cannot live and exist without Christ, and he occupies a greater and greater part of your life, you increase his value in your life, you naturally will become less and less. And your identity becomes aligned with who he is and what he has done. It's no longer about you. It is about Christ. So you cannot make Christ any greater than he already is. But you can elevate him and raise him and make him greater in your life. That is your responsibility. God's already said, this is my son. Jesus, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. It doesn't get any more confident and and, and greater than that. So how... Are we going to make Christ greater and greater and us become less and less? Well, we elevate him in our life. It it becomes less and less about you and less and less about me and more and more about Christ. As we grow in Christ, he becomes greater and greater in our life. He becomes invaluable where that we say, I can't live without him. I have to have Christ in my life. I cannot make it without Christ. His rule and reign in my life must increase and become greater. His position in my heart must increase and become greater. His influence in my decisions must increase and become greater and greater. So that I don't make decisions aside from seeing what what does Jesus say about it. His words become the barometer. His words become the, the, the... the way that I look at and the perspective that I look at things. This is what it means for Christ to increase or grow greater and greater. John the Baptist 
no doubt, was fighting against the popularity he was having. It would have been easy for John to get jealous of Jesus, just as his disciples did, because that's what it says in John 3, 26. Uh, They, John's disciples, came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he's baptizing and everyone's going to him. Wah, wah, wah. Okay, envy, jealousy, stirring up in the hearts of John's disciples. And, but John's words, he says, a man can receive only what is given him from the heaven. We're going to talk about that in just a minute and what that means how, when we become less and less, how, how that, that ties into us becoming less and less. John was baptizing before Jesus ever came on the scene. They're about the same age. I think John's six, approximately six months older, something like that. But John was baptized before Jesus came on the scene. But John knew that what he began, Jesus was going to finish. John knew that that what he prepared, Jesus was going to fulfill it. And and so that's how John could, could act this way. Our job, like John's, is to prepare the way for the Messiah. Just as John wasn't the Messiah, you aren't the Messiah, I'm not the Messiah. We're just preparing people to meet the Messiah. We know the Messiah. He's our friend. He's our, he is the bridegroom. Just And we're the friend of the bridegroom. People who don't know Jesus need to get ready to meet him. And we are to prepare them by explaining to them the need for forgiveness. Demonstrating in our life Christ's teachings by the way that we live and we conduct our lives, by telling them how Christ can give their lives meaning. People are always searching for the meaning of life. It's found in Christ. And and one one area of the scripture, I think it's in Matthew, it says that he, that really what it was trying to say was that John was clearing the road for, for Jesus. In other words, there's some stuff in the road you know, that he had to get out of the way it was the connotation here. And we can clear the road for Christ, for, to, to, for people to meet Christ by correcting some of the misconceptions that people have that could be hindering them uh, from coming to Christ. But to do that, Christ must increase and we must decrease. Christ must become greater and greater And we must become less and less. Jesus said to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Not glorify Keith. Keith is insignificant. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. It is all about Christ. But here's some revealing signs. I want you to know there are some revealing signs or indications that you have become self-focused or that you have become the focus rather than Christ or that I have become the focus because I see myself in some of these and I have to repent and ask God to forgive me. So it's, it's, it's not about you, it's about me. All right, talk more. <laughs> Here's the sign, a sign, a, a revealing indication that, that we've become the focus. We talk more about ourselves than we do Christ. 
more about what you're doing or what I'm doing and or have done than what Christ is doing or has done. You take the credit for yourself rather than giving it to God. Paul says this in Galatians 6.14. This is the New Living Translation. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. May I never boast about anything save the cross of Jesus Christ. Not about me, but about him. Paul also says in 2 Corinthians 10, 17, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. So revealing signs that you've become the focus as you talk more about yourself than you do about Christ. You're more interested in the external than the internal, more interested in carnal things than spiritual things. I'm guilty. Most likely you are too. And a clue that that's the case is because there can be jealousy and envy that, that comes up. Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3, 3, he says, uh, you're still worldly or carnal. He's talking to Christians here. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? A sign that we've become the focus is when we're worried more about the external things than the carnal things. And the carnal man begins to trump the spiritual man. And when the carnal man trumps the spiritual man, the works of the flesh become more prevalent than the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Galatians 5, just read it and live it. Galatians 5, 19 through 23. Another sign is that it's more about what I can do rather than what Christ has done. In other words, and this is, I'm guilty. I trust me more than he. Okay. I'm going to see what I can do here to get myself out of this jam that I've got myself into. And so, because I trust what I can do. So we start trusting in what we can do more than what he can do or what he has done. And my personal favorite, that there's a revealing sign that we become the focus, is it's more about my personal discipline than my spiritual freedom. You know you've become the focus when you are trying, when you are, quote, trying to be a better Christian through your own works and abilities. You cannot be a better Christian. You're either a Christian or you're not. Now you can live a life that is more consistent with Christ's teachings, but that doesn't make you a better Christian and that doesn't make you a better person than your neighbor. There aren't degrees of Christianity. Okay, there aren't, it's not like you get a 
what is it? I don't, I'm not a karate person. The green belt and the yellow belt and the orange belt and the blue belt and the purple belt and the black belt. We don't become black belt Christians, okay, through all these years of trying to be a better Christian. It's not about your personal discipline. It's about your spiritual freedom and that God can, can help you and change you. And, and as I said, that doesn't discount that we don't live a life that we should live and we know we should live. So we, we, we uh, it, but it's not through our own works. So that's a revealing sign. It's when you're more, it's more about your personal discipline than your spiritual freedom. Another one is that when we become the focus, we discover that there's jealousy in our hearts. We become jealous of other people and what they're doing. And we pay atten- more attention to them than we do to Christ. And it becomes more of a competition for us. My Connect group is watching a series, a video series. We finished it up last week as a three a week or three part video series by Andy Stanley on excuse me on right now media called the comparison trap and his one point in this three part series was there's no win in comparison there's no win in comparison we've got to quit looking around and seeing everybody else's stuff, seeing everybody else's work, and being jealous of it. I was telling my class, and I told uh, 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 Jim Wilson this. You know, Jim, started, Jim Wilson started a new class on the Holy Spirit, Sunday school class. And uh, several people from my class went to his class. Fortunately, I didn't have anybody come up to me and say, Hey, Keith. You know that man that sits up on the front up there? He started a class down here, and there's a lot of people that have been coming to your class are now going to his class. If they had done that to me, (laughs) I would have just said, praise God. I hope more and more people will go to his class. We can't compare and we can't get jealous and envy in our hearts. When the focus is on us, we, we begin to speak unkindly of other people. If the focus had been on John, when those, his disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, uh, that man that was with you on the other side of Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he's baptized and everyone's going to him. John would have said, really? You know what? I don't think he's, he's, not, that, he's not the real baptism. He, what he's doing is, is something else. Because I started this baptism. He's after me. But no, he didn't say that because he had the right attitude. So that when the focus is on us, we speak unkindly of other people, especially of those who, are, who we perceive as doing what we, uh, more than what we're doing and more successful than we, are, than we are. And rather than being happy for them, we deride them and slander them. God help us and forgive us. So the way that Christ becomes greater and greater, it is in our hearts and in our lives. It's not that we can make him greater and greater. It's, it's in our hearts and our lives through, the, through some attitudes that I'm going to share with you in just a minute. It's a matter of perspective. Uh, we view Christ as the most significant part of our being and we live out our lives in comport with that truth. Okay? So let's talk about attitudes that lead us to decrease and become less and less. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 11 from the New Living Translation, the NIV that's up there may look different. But when one of you says, 
I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos. Aren't you acting just like the people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts, Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important. It's not important who does the planting. It's not important who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters works together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field, you are God's building. Uh, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we've already laid. Uh, excuse me, and that is Jesus Christ. So what are some attitudes that we can have that will help us to Cause Christ to be greater and us to be less. The first one is recognize that you are a servant. Now you're going to say, Keith, Jesus said to his disciples, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends and you're my friends. That's true. That's what Jesus said. But that has to do with the relationship that they had and that we have with Christ because he said that I don't call you servants because a master doesn't reveal to his servants everything that his father said. So he said, I have revealed everything to you that I know. And in that respect, we are his friends and not his servants. But we are still to take on the attitude and servitude that Christ had. Paul says, let this uh, in Philippians chapter Two, get over here real quick. Um, if you have any encouragement from being, I'm just going to read verse seven. You can read the rest of it. He says, who made himself nothing. He, he tells us for, for us to uh, take, have the same attitude as Christ. Verse five, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ. Verse seven, uh, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So we're servants. And if you want to bring yourself down a little bit, start serving. Okay? It brings Christ up. Start serving and be a servant. Uh, John said that's what he was. Uh, Paul said that's what he was in, in, in 1 Corinthians 3, 5. He says, what after, what, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his own task. The second thing is, uh, do the work that God gave you to do, not someone else's work. So look there at uh, John chapter 1, verse, three, verse 23. John replied, he says, I am the voice of one calling in the desert, make straight the way for the Lord. Quit trying to be someone that you're not. Quit trying to be someone else. Stop comparing yourself to others. And more importantly, stop comparing others to yourself. That goes both ways and it's wrong and hurtful both ways. 
Do the work God gave you to do, not someone else's work. The third thing is recognize, so here's some attitudes that lead to you becoming less and less and Christ becoming greater and greater. Recognize it as God who brings success. John 3, 21, uh, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Okay? Any success that I have, any success that you have, isn't because you're so great or because I'm so great. It's because God is great. That's why we can have success. God is great. Without him, Jesus said, you can do nothing. Nothing. And this one, I want you to think about just for a second and grasp it. Attitudes that lead to you becoming less. This attitude right here. Your work is only important in light of what God does. Your work is only important in light of what God does. Let's look at John 3.27, where John said, To this John replied, A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. And then in 1 Corinthians 3, 7. Over there. 1 Corinthians 3, 7. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. He said the one that's planting and the one that's watering, they're nothing. You're nothing. Paul said, I'm nothing. But only God who makes things grow. Your work is only important in light of what God does. If God's not in it, then it's not worth doing. We become less and less when we depend on God more and more. Paul was such a significant person in the New Testament. And we can learn so much from him and his life. He says this in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. He said, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So he's talking about these visions and taking up into the heavens and a third heaven and all this. He said, even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness, Paul. My power works best in your weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, in the hardships, in the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Your work's only important in light of what God does. Also, be willing to work with others for the same purpose. 
You know, we become less and less when we submit to others. Not as inferior, but as willing to, in humility, consider others better than yourself, yourselves. For the purpose of working together, others aren't more valuable than you, but your heart and attitude should be one of deference to others. And when we do that, we can rejoice in the success of others. Which is the next point, rejoice in the success of others. I love verse 29, John chapter 3, verse 29, where he says, The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. That joy is mine and it is now complete. We can rejoice in the success of others. Finally, you become less and less when you find satisfaction in Christ alone. You don't need anything else or anyone else to validate who you are or to give your life meaning. Jesus has already done that. Remember, Jesus said of John, I tell you the truth. Of all who've ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet, yet, the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. That is Jesus' testimony about you and about me. It is time that we believe it, we receive it, and we live it. And Jesus Christ will become greater and greater and Keith will become less and less. Would you stand with me?